0: hi everyone welcome to another episode of my podcast we have very special guest today joining all the way from colombo sri lanka we got dr dina sadiq joining the podcast hi dr dina
1: hi chana 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 it's so good to see you how's it going
0: i'm good how about you
1: I'm good and happy full moon from Sri Lanka. Today is a poor holiday here in Sri Lanka.
0: Right. So how is, this, how is Sri Lanka these days? How, how is the pandemic and everything? How are things going?
1: Things, I think, are not that bad. I mean, I heard like other countries are locking down for the current variant and stuff. But here things are open, but uh, we still have to wear masks whenever, whenever we go out. And the public areas they do have distance maintained and stuff in most places
0: right so as a doctor how how was the last two years for you
1: very very challenging very challenging um because like for me i'm a I'm specialized in nutrition as you know so compared to patients going to a doctor to get medicine for a disease, what I do feels a little like a different um, priority you know it's not the same as somebody getting sick and who needs urgent medicine in my case what I do I mean we'll get into it a bit later it's, mm. it's an extra thing so personally for me my private practice and what I do literally went to zero work in the beginning before we had the online options and everything in the first six months our clinic closed down and we didn't have any work so even for us, who are doctors and healthcare practitioners, we went through depression as well
0: right i mean i I know you you're you have you're passionate about mental health also we we've talked that in several clubhouse rooms as well and and yeah, clubhouse yeah. is where we got connected and and to be honest dr Dina, I was so impressed with you know your presence in clubhouse the confidence that you always show and you know how you moderate the rooms how did you how did you get into clubhouse
1: uh so it's a funny story last april 2021 i attended a boot camp online boot camp it was during our i think second or third during our lockdown during our first lockdown um i attended a boot camp by grant You i'm sure you know grant Cardowan. Right and uh he it was a three day boot camp, and in that they had the breakout rooms on Zoom, so in one of those rooms, somebody mentioned if you you know you can actually talk to Grant cardone he's very active, and I'm a huge, huge like fan, and he's like a mentor to me, So that was the first time I heard about it, but still uh, the Android four at that time was not able to get in around right. April. So I was waiting for it and I had also got an invite back then we needed a special invitation from a user. So then in May, when soon as the androids were allowed, I immediately joined. And at that time, like, I thought I was the only Sri Lankan on the app, right. like, because <laughs> I didn't know anybody because before I came across that whole circle of Sri Lankans, I was like an isolated, lone Sri Lankan, like looking around and. I was just um, mo- mostly in the American and some of the British rooms, and then I think after almost two to three weeks, I came across the Sri Lankan room with like hundreds of Sri Lankans, and that's how I met so many of you as well through the room.
0: Right, right. What do you like about Clubhouse, Dr. Dina?
1: Oh, what I loved about it to begin with is that you don't have to worry about how you look. Right. You can- <laughs> Especially being a woman, like we are very conscious to be camera ready, right? Um, So we can be in our pyjamas, we can be in our rags at home, doesn't matter. We can be a mess, like without having gone to the salon or whatever. But still, you can tap into it, you can talk to people from around the world and you can express how you feel. And for me, having been a speaker now for, I guess, almost over 20 years this was amazing because it, it kind of cut out all the previous steps before you get on a stage right before right. clubhouse if you want to go to a corporate event or speak at any event you have to first be known then you have to speak to the organizers you have to then like get yourself ready and go there before you get to the stage and the moment of wanting to speak and get to the stage has so many steps so with Clubhouse, all of those steps are just eliminated and you get to get, go and directly speak. So it was like no fuss. That's what I love about it the most.
0: Right. And I, I also know that you speak many languages, right? So so that that might be an amazing because you I, I always see you in like Indian rooms and all these other, other rooms, right? So how how did you learn so many languages?
1: Um, so it started off like in childhood. I mean, I was born and raised here in Colombo, Sri Lanka. So my mm. second language was Sinhala, right? And I went to a Muslim school in Colombo. So we also learned Arabic. right? Um, and also because of my background to, to, to understand and read the Quran, we have to know Arabic. So I was able to read and write Arabic and also like speak a little, very basic, very basic. But Singhala was my second language. We had it four to five times a week. I could read and write, but my speaking was not so fluent because we don't speak it much at home. We speak in English. Tamil, I could manage a little, like we don't speak it daily, but the grandparents or maybe, you know, relatives, but not like on a daily basis. Then I moved to Pakistan for university um, after A-levels. And when I went there, I didn't know it was so serious that you have to know this Urdu because they said the medium of teaching is English. So that's why I went. But soon as I went there, everybody amongst themselves, the students were all speaking in Urdu. And even the teachers in the class, they'll start to speak in English, but they'll remember some example or story and they'll switch to Urdu and they'll forget to switch back to English when teaching. So that's when I knew like, wow, I mean, I couldn't survive that place unless I learned the language. So I became very, very, what's the word, aggressive to learn it because I had to, to survive. So I was like walking around with a little notebook in my pocket, wherever I went with a pen and whatever words I heard, I would write it in that. Right. And also I started watching Bollywood movies. So I watched Hindi movies from to learn Urdu from that because Urdu and Hindi are kind of, there is an overlap between the two. So the Bollywood movies luckily uses that overlap version. It's neither classic Hindi nor Urdu, but a fusion. So yeah. I would even watch movies without the subtitles there. And I was like writing all these words and coming and asking my friends. By the second or third week, with the dobi and with the workers, I was speaking broken Urdu. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So-, so
1: then the third year came. Uh, three years of learning Urdu and I could manage 60-70%. Then I went to the hospital excited and I'm like, yes, I'm going to practice this because I'm now a clinical student. And I went and said, ka naam kya hai," Which means, what is your name? They were not answering. They were just looking at me like lost. And I said, did I say something wrong? I asked my friends. They were like, no, yaar. They don't speak Urdu. They speak Sindhi. (laughs) I was like, what? Because interior Sindh, like most of the poor patients in the villages, they don't even speak Urdu. They speak the native language of that place, which is Sindhi. Then I had to learn Sindhi. So Sinhala is very difficult actually compared to Urdu, and a few words like similar to Sinhala as well. For example, almari, saban, mm. <laughs> all these words which come from Sanskrit, I think. So that's how I reached language number six, and then I finished everything, came back to Sri Lanka after medicine. I started polishing my Sinhala quite late. Um, To be honest, I even improved my Sinhala in in Pakistan
0: (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) because there were other Sri Lankans and it was fun to speak among fellow Sri Lankans in Sinhala when you're abroad, you know that feeling, right? Right. So, and then um, I got into martial arts, Kung Fu. So then I want to learn Mandarin. So kind of recently I went for like Mandarin lessons, but Mandarin is very hard. Um, Malayalam is actually similar to Tamil. So if we understand and can speak Tamil, to some extent, you can understand Malayalam as well. And I had that first experience on Clubhouse.
0: Right.
1: Through the Malayali clubs. Yeah, so that's the short version of the languages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when, when you talk about Mandarin, have you seen this video that John Cena is speaking perfect Mandarin? You know who John Cena is, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And he's speaking perfect mandarin i mean i don't know how we how we actually learn so far
1: wow i should look into that
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> because he got, i think he got some some trouble with saying something about taiwan then he had to go and apologize to china and all that but he oh, did okay it, he did it in mandarin and it was so perfect mm. right <laughs> uh, Dr. Nina, what 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 do you normally like you know what do you what do you read what do, what are you reading these days
1: uh, to be very honest, I have a lot of books I'm supposed to read right <laughs> I'll show you what I'm reading now <laughs> so I had got this the five a m club by Robin Sharma because i wanted i i i actually um got on the audio app i think it's called um the orange one. What's it called? There's a there's an app, Sound, SoundCloud I think.
0: SoundCloud, right? yeah.
1: The orange one.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, with the orange cloud. Um, I got on that, and then I was just listening to Robin Sharma one day, and I remember this five AM club, and I literally got ready in the minute, went to Sarasavi Bookshop, <laughs> bought the book, and came back. But but I think I'm more of a writer channel than reader right so so I'm not somebody who would sit cover to cover and read I think nowadays because we have so much content on YouTube and uh, you know like so much available online even on Instagram and YouTube sometimes we tend to kind of go down the rabbit hole of watching videos and learning through them so that right. takes up quite a bit of our time but currently I am reading at the 5 am club by Robin Sharma
0: right tell me about your writing what's your recent writing uh, Dr. Dina
1: yeah currently I'm working on my book it's been very slow um I am writing a book about South Asian women and the challenges we go through because I think that it's not just a Sri Lankan thing like earlier I used to think because we are such an isolated island from the rest of the world, we are so isolated that we have certain challenges. But when I went to Pakistan and I was living with girls from 25 countries, I realized that many of us go through similar struggles, you know, and it's not even so much about the religion because like there were girls from all backgrounds, Nepal, uh, Bangladesh, Africa, all religions. So I feel like especially the Eastern woman goes through quite a bit and we can relate to one another so I'm currently working on that
0: right I I, I also feel that in like especially cultures like Sri Lanka that these these things especially things about women these things are not people don't talk about them right Mm. they tend to just uh, just ignore and just say things are all good right yeah that's what I see with the Sri Lankan culture yeah, they and, just
1: try to brush it off and they just ignore it. Like even the whole, for example, the whole concept of boundaries, when you're uncomfortable with something, you have to say it.
0: Right. And
1: uh, you know very well, like if you would say it and try to on the spot, if you say something, when you don't like it, people be like, ah, how do you think? okay, okay, just, you know, go ignore it, go with the flow. But that is a problem, that reaction. Because soon as somebody's speaking up about how they feel uncomfortable about a certain situation or how someone's treating them, we don't take a minute to even like acknowledge and see that the other person is in some kind of pain, right? Right. So we are just brushing it off, as you said.
0: Yeah. So so Dr. Dina, so uh, especially you're coming from a Muslim family, you know sort of a that sort of a culture and also sri lanka also itself is typically the culture is very conservative right but what i love is it, about you, <laughs> is it right like that's what i that's what i know from my family and all that right so okay. but what i love about you is like you're 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 so open and you're talking about so many different things and you're doing so many different things that a normal sometimes a normal sri lankan woman would not do like you you're always out there you're doing martial arts and all that. Was, was the family always supportive of your, the way you do things? Or Absolutely
1: not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, I guess if I had a very supportive family, maybe I wouldn't be who I am today. It's the, it's the struggle to become this person that has made me who I am today. In the sense, like growing up as a kid, I was raised uh, very conservatively Mm -hmm. and I was in the beginning begging to become a doctor because I thought that it's a decent, respectable profession. So nobody can say no, because I knew if I had asked for something crazy, like fashion designer or, you know, model or something. Right. (laughs) I, would have, I wouldn't I would have got permission because in my family growing up, there wasn't a single female at that time who was career-oriented then, who was out there. In fact, in my generation on both sides, I'm the first girl to go to university. So I was like, I was begging to become a doctor, but by the age of 17, I asked myself, why? Why mm-hmm. do I want to be a doctor? It was not for the title. It was not for the fame. It was not for the prestige because I didn't know what those meant as just as a teenager and then I realized it was for freedom because I thought if I don't do anything I would not have freedom so at the time I started questioning it was too late because my family had already accepted okay she's going to be a doctor so after finishing university it was a very tough A journey, Channa. Because to be very honest, growing up, I was conservative. As a teenager, up to my mid twenties, I was covered. I Mm -hmm. was very covered up, and I actually came out of it on my own. Like the more I researched it, I went into it like by myself deep, and I came to my own understanding of what these things meant. So, if you take organized religion, which is like the, the the religion which is with the rules and all the rituals. There's also a spiritual version to it, right? Right. So in my case, I kind of woke up from that. And you can imagine, like, all my life, I was, like, covered and I was a typical-looking Muslim female. And then all of a sudden, for me to come out like this was, was a lot. And I had to face a lot of backlash as well from the community and from so many
0: different circles. Right, right. But
1: it it's worth it, right, Dr. Dina? Uh yeah, but sometimes it's it's not easy because like the support system. Um and I think beyond all, I had to overcome the people pleasing. Mm. Right? And I was only able to do that by working through my own mental health because we don't even realize since we are kids, not only girls, boys as well. What are we told when we are growing up, Channa? Like a good child, listen to what we are saying. Right, right. It's okay if I'm mixing, her, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay,
1: because <laughs> I know you have an international audience. So <laughs> no, like this is the thing, right? It's such a cliche, but it's so common. Like listen to what we are saying. Like a good girl, like a good boy, and that is that is like inculcated in us so much that even once we become adults in our twenties, thirties, forties. People are still like operating in this way. Yesterday, I spoke to somebody from India and he's around 36 years, right? Successful in what he does, but so much in that way of thinking, for example. Um, Like we we were sending messages back and forth and I said something like, let's not text because texting can be very exhausting. Just send a voice message. And he said, I'm not in the position to send you a voice message now because my parents and grandparents are around me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a 36-year-old grown man is not able to send a message to somebody across the world because they're concerned about what the parents and grandparents will think. So this is this is this is the, this is what I'm saying. It's a huge issue. That boy has been brainwashed so much that even as a 36-year-old, he's afraid to just send a message to someone because he's afraid of how they're going to judge that. So sometimes this way of thinking never goes away and people end up living their entire life saying, what will people think? What will people say? And they're living their life in a way to please other people and they in the end never end up living their own life. Yes, so a short answer is, yes, it's worth it,
0: <laughs> yeah, to what you said about you know be a good boy, listen, just listen to us and listen what mm-hmm. we are saying, but in a way, they're also saying, don't question us, right
1: of course, yeah, of course, don't question us, like do as we say because we know what's best, and the truth is quite often they don't know what's best for us, right. Because, for example, if a child is artistic by nature and the parents are asking them, oh, like a few days ago, I met a very successful businessman who was regretting that he wasted so many years of his life going through medicine almost because his parents had forced him to do it. And after finishing pre-med, he had the courage finally to quit because that was not for him. Mm. But there are thousands and thousands of South Asians out there who wouldn't have been brave as him to have quit and they would be stuck in a job I mean how many people are stuck in jobs that they don't really feel fulfillment it's not even about happiness right it's about feeling like you're making a difference
0: right so
1: so yeah
0: yeah I'm, I mean, I have a sort of a similar story because I actually sort of escaped from all that. That's why I'm living in another country. And I okay. sort of... Ex- because uh, I I was also challenged by my parents most of the time that they wanted mm-hmm. me to do certain things. They wanted me to study certain things. But I always fought back the, to the best of my abilities. I always fought back. And then when... when and as soon as I I became an adult, mm. I decided I ha- I have to leave that behind because that's not li- really helping me to to go where I where I want to go. So right, yeah. So it's very personal for me. Uh, when you when you're talking about it, I I also feel that you know that sort of thing that happened in the past. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Dr. Dina, uh, one thing that I personally practice is that I believe that the success for, for, for you mentioned about having a fulfilled life, right?
1: So what In I America. feel is
0: that uh, to have a fulfilled life, you have to focus on different I call them pillars, actually, like different pillars. like you have to look at your health, you have to look at your family financial stability and also about your passion and what you like to do and all these things right so mm-hmm. because if i if you feel that just focus on only on one thing like you just only focus on your career but if you if you don't have good health then it's it, you're not going to have a fulfilled life right so i always try to practice that and i try to always give time to each of these things uh, mm-hmm. as a coach what do you feel about that
1: I mean, of course, right? We have to try and balance the different aspects of life, the elements of life or pillars, as you say, that's so true. But mm. sometimes being human, maintaining that perfect balance sometimes doesn't happen. Right. Especially if you're like trying to grow in your career and if you're trying to like build something, um, there might be times where other things fall off the yeah. track. For example, your social life might have to take a back seat if you're focusing on your career but a common mistake a lot of people do as I see even in my practice now is that a lot of men would give so much focused on their career and burn out in that and neglect their health right they don't even realize they're gaining weight they're they're starting to put on like belly fat and they're starting to look like a different person they're depriving themselves of sleep, they don't eat on time, like mm. automatically over the years that happens, right? Until they finally like might get some kind of disease or health symptoms and the doctor tells them, look, if you don't do something about this, you are really going to end up in a heart attack. A lot of people don't realize it because they're so focused on work. Now with women, what I see is that can happen. Yes, with curry oriented women, but with a lot of mothers especially, they give so much of their time to their kids and maintaining the house and the husband that their health gets neglected. Mm. So I think no matter whatever category of people, right, men who are doing entrepreneurial jobs or whatever, corporate jobs, or women who are working on unworking, the whole spectrum of everybody, no matter what we are doing, I think our first priority should be health because if we don't it's it's crazy like you <clears throat> think that it's just one day two days, weeks months years and then before you know it you become this different person that even you don't recognize anymore and sometimes it's a bit too late because when you look around you realize that so much has been done and sometimes people want to get back to what they used to be years ago but right. the body has changed so much and it's going to take them a very long time to fix all of those blunders that they did by neglecting themselves.
0: Right. I think I, think I saw one of your posts uh, that you posted that if you don't focus on fitness, later on, you'll have to focus on illness, right? Something like that.
1: Yeah. If you don't take, uh, if you don't, uh, take, take time. time for wellness, you'll have to give time for the disease.
0: Right. So, Dr. Dina, tell me a little bit about your fitness routine because I know you're very active on that. So, what sort of activities do you do?
1: Okay, I'll be very honest, right? Like being somebody in the industry, I can come and now sit and tell you I work out five times a week, I stretch. And I can give you the perfect version, Chana, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it honest with you because even those who are watching and listening to this right now, Um, can be reminded that it's not easy to maintain that consistency, even for us. We can all fall off track. So for me, what happened is before the pandemic, I had a routine. And then after the pandemic and during, it really disturbed everything. So I'm someone who loves going to the gym because for me, even though I can do all those workouts by myself at home, because this is something I do instruct others, I like going to that environment and being surrounded by people who are seriously working out. That motivates me. So I like to go to the gym for that reason. Um, And then after around eight years or I guess eight years of working out in the gym, I hit a plateau because I, I reached my goals. Okay. So how I got into the gym lifestyle is also interesting. Um, I was, just I think 24 I had just come back from Pakistan and I was just making breakfast in the kitchen and the radio was on Sri mm. Lankan radio and they said I just heard it randomly they said what's the craziest thing you're willing to do to win this gym membership it's a competition so I heard it and I forgot about it then then days later I was still in the room and I thought oh that's interesting." Uh, what is the craziest thing I'm willing to do to win this competition? If you say something creative, you can get a one-year membership to mm. one of the best gyms at that time. So I called them, gave my answer, and I forgot about it. And then weeks later, it was just two days, I think, after my 25th birthday, um, they called me and said, you are live on TNL. Is this Dr. Data?" I said, yes. What's the craziest thing you're willing to do to win this gym membership? Can you tell us the answer? Can you remember your answer? I said, Yeah. I said, uh, I'll go to the grave in the middle of the night, I'll <laughs> exhume a dead body, and then I will perform a hip hop dance. <laughs> and they were like, Congratulations, you're the winner to this
0: <laughs> Can't be crazier than that, right?
1: <laughs> the funny thing is, huh? I have done those two things separately, actually. I've performed a hip hop dance and for forensic, we have exhumed a body. So right. I just thought of those two and put it together. Right?
0: <laughs> right.
1: And uh, that's how it started because at that time as a 24, 25 year old, I couldn't afford 60, 70,000 in Sri Lankan rupees at that time for a matching right. membership. It was a fully like fully paid for membership and Then I started showing up at the gym like every day. I was like a gym addict at that time. Um, But then I was disappointed because after two months I gained weight and I was like, what's the point? I showed up five, six times in the week. Why have I gained weight? And I just gave up for about a month. That's when I thought this is not right because it was a gift, right? The universe, God gave me a gift of this, such a precious opportunity. I shouldn't waste it. So then I started my research. I started going and reading about it. And I became my own guinea pig. I began my own experiment. I started trying out all these different workouts. And then close to another eight to 10 months later, I achieved my goals, right? I achieved my goals. I think I had a four pack at that time. abs, And I had reached that point. But then after that, I realized something's missing. Like it's so physical, the whole focus, right? I needed something also mental and spiritual. And that's when I found Kung Fu, Shaolin Kung Fu. Right. And I just randomly Google Shaolin Kung Fu Sri Lanka. And then something came up, Shaolin Kung Fu school. So I showed up and then the master said, what are you doing here? Because he, didn't, he was like, what, what is this girl doing here? I said, I want to train. I want to train, master. And that's how it started. But even then with Kung Fu, after, after about six, seven years of Kung Fu, I hit another plateau because I felt like even though it had a spiritual side to it, I couldn't like free myself because with every punch, there is a, there is a start and an end point. Mm. right? With every kick, there's a start and an end point. There's a technique. So I still felt restricted because it was a very masculine kind of a sport. And that's when I got into dancing.
0: Mm.
1: Contemporary dance, which doesn't have rules. You can throw yourself and roll on the floor and nobody says anything. That's just a free-flowing dance. So it kind of became a fusion of these three. It became a one once or I used to go to the gym twice or thrice a week. I had kung fu once or twice a week and once a week dance so it was a mix of these three but no thanks to the pandemic all of these stopped right um so i ended up kind of going off track gained some weight. so currently now very slowly i'm getting back into all of them right yeah
0: it's uh you know like we've been in this pandemic for two like almost like two years right so mm. uh, going back it's I I don't know it's it seems hard also to go back to how things were right because things have a lot of things have changed as well right
1: yes but the good thing is if you're somebody who has been doing any kind of fitness right the the beauty is that there's something called muscle memory Mm. and our muscles remember but you can't try to cheat it because that's what happened two weeks ago I got back to the gym and I worked out six days of the week and I ended up getting a good slap because my back was like excuse me (laughs) you can't like be off for two years and then come back and work out six days of the week so even injury is actually a blessing because it's our body telling us we need to slow down we need to be more aware of our technique so we really have to listen to our body and I think that we can get back to how things were, but we need to give it enough time without just trying to jump to where we had stopped.
0: Right. So, Dr. Dina, I, I checked your, I think I today or yesterday, I checked actually your Clubhouse profile once again. And mm-hmm. you're almost like 10, you have like 10K followers already, right?
1: Almost, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how is it possible? Because, I mean, uh, I spent quite a time amount of time in clubhouse but i think i mean it's exponential your growth on clubhouse right
1: no but there are people with millions of followers also Chandra.
0: <laughs> yeah i know i know it's but uh, you know like the sri lankan community i i, I see
1: well I, I was actually on a break i i was growing, I i think it was growing pretty fast the connections there and um before the new year maybe around november i took a long break and for two three months i was off Right. So quite a bit of the momentum dropped. And I think one of the reasons is because as you rightly pointed out in the beginning, the advantage of languages. So I've been in Indian, Hindi speaking rooms, Tamil speaking rooms, Malayalam speaking rooms, Pakistani Urdu speaking rooms, um, American rooms, British rooms, Sri Lankan rooms. So I think that definitely has uh, an advantage as well. Right.
0: So, so maintaining such an audience and you know maintaining your profile on Clubhouse and other social media uh, what do you sort of advise for a person who wants to achieve that sort of success
1: Uh, I think the main thing I would say is don't strive for perfection because um, earlier even when I started Instagram I used to be very conscious Uh, to be very frank in the beginning when I started doing Instagram I would never make a video without makeup Hmm. Because I thought you have to be camera ready, you have to be professional. But sometimes by trying to be too perfect, you miss out on giving an important message which, which somebody may have really needed to hear that day. So letting go of that perfection, letting go of the need that everything has to be like ready and organized is one of the biggest mistakes the newbies make. Um, but anyway, I should say that clubhouse algorithms have really dropped. Now, Mm. unlike those days when we open up a room, we don't see the similar number of um, listeners, right? Uh,
0: I feel that it's probably because of all the locked places are not locked down anymore. Maybe is that a reason?
1: Well, a lot of users have left. This is what I heard. A lot Mm. of people who join are not really using it anymore. Remember, we had Sri Lankan rooms like two, three hundred. Right. Back in the days, I remember those massive rooms which went, I have even seen rooms like around 500, the IT rooms, but I've not seen them. This year, I've not seen them. So I guess even the people who are moderating these rooms have gotten busy offline. Um, and as for the rest, some have left the app as well.
0: Right. right. So so Dr. Dina, for the rest of the 2022 and 2023 what are you looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> well
1: um i really need to finish my book like that's a priority and as we said um try to get back on track with the fitness with the healthy routines and stuff because sometimes that can really change our mental health as well when we go off track in those things it can really make us feel down. So that's something I'm really determined to try and get back on track and it's not easy.
0: Right. So what's your message to the viewers of this video and people who's going to listen to this?
1: Um, I would say that whatever it is that you want to do, it's not impossible if you're willing to pay the price. You know, everything comes with a price. And um, today we live in an era where you can make connections with people from around the world, like with Clubhouse. It's, it's amazing. Two days ago, I spoke to Snoop Dogg. You right. saw that post. I mean, growing up as a kid, I was like such a big fan of Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre and all these guys. And I watched the Super Bowl performance two days right. ago and I was like blown away. I was like this, this teenager back again but it's almost like law of attraction and it's almost like when you are in that zone things start to move and i strongly believe that sometimes the mistake we do is try to be that good girl or good boy we were raised to be and we try to follow all the rules by the book and that sometimes delay our own success it doesn't mean you have to do illegal and you know mm-hmm. crazy things but that sometimes there can be shortcuts to get you to where you want to way faster if you were just smart about it and not have to work hard and take the conventional time to get there.
0: True. Um, yeah. Anybody, yeah. You, anybody you want to shout out to?
1: Uh, who do I want to shout out to? Oh, I want to shout out to my best friend who is 83 years this year. Right. My name is Therese. She's in Canada. She's a French Canadian and she has literally been one of the most influential people of my life, like a mentor. She's literally my grandmother's age. So we connected, I think, around 11 years ago on Facebook, more than that, 2009. right? And that was the time I was very lost. I didn't know what to do. I had just finished medicine, but I knew that becoming a typical doctor was not the life for me. And she is the one who just recognized that I had the potential to become somebody who can make a global impact. That was when I had zero followers, <laughs> like anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right?
1: Zero. Literally zero. And she believed in me. And she's a, a lady who is um, a retired teacher and she has studied gifted children. So just like special needs, she has studied a group of children who, who are like gifted in the sense that sometimes they can look like much older than they are like from a young age they are like an old person with the way they think and they're just not a typical child they're different some people might think they're eccentric some people might think that they're just crazy mm. but the truth is that they're here to make a difference in the world she recognized that in me when I was just 24 25 right and she kept saying it she called me the oprah of sri lanka <laughs> um, so this was way before facebook took over i mean i also have a public page on facebook a twitter instagram clubhouse so like before any of that she's the first person to believe in me so i really want to thank Therese for believing in me and for always being there and also when i was going through my spiritual evolution As a mid-20-year-old, you can be very confused. But she was just there by my side, like an angel, like a godmother, to to make me feel like love is all you need. She believes that love and compassion and kindness is the only religion we need in this world. So, yeah, she had a huge impact on me.
0: So, if somebody watches this video and wanted to get connected with you, how they can get connected, Dr. Dina?
1: Yeah, so they can get in touch um, through Instagram. Um, I think you can put my handle. You can add it. So Instagram is a good mode or we can also get in touch with email. And for those in Sri Lanka, if they do want to get in touch with me regarding a nutrition or a diet plan, they can also come meet me at the clinic as well. That's also possible.
0: Right. So Dr. Dina, thanks for uh, joining this podcast. I really enjoy talking to you. And, you know, you. I, I always feel, you know, I'm happy when somebody I met somewhere else, you know, like the platform like Clubhouse, we are now talking to each other on face to face and bringing that even like beyond Clubhouse. So I'm happy to, uh, you know, talk to you and then looking forward, you know, all the best with your book. And I'm always lo- watching what you're doing in Instagram and all these videos and stuff that you do. So all the best with your with your plans.
1: Thank you so much, Anna, And big shout out to you as well. I mean, it's amazing to see a Sri Lankan who is based in the Philippines and doing this podcast. And I think the youngsters have so much to learn from you. And you should have a masterclass on podcast for those who want to start. <laughs>
0: yeah, I actually started something called podcasting in Singhala, where I actually teach podcasting. I do a clubhouse. Oh, wow. Room. Okay. I, I do a clubhouse room, and then I also teach. Converted that content also as another Singhalese podcast.
1: Amazing, so, amazing! I'd like to check it out as well.
0: Yeah, and then this one got featured on the on the Sri Lanka newspaper somehow. Somebody saw it and then they actually wrote awesome. an article about it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's wonderful.
0: Right. So, Doctor Dina, have a great evening. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk again in the future. All the best. Yes, all the best. Bye, chenna Bye. Bye.